it's cold and bleak and you just can't take it anymore. Here it comes, that glimmer of hope, a light shines through the dark. It's a hopeless soul, with Aaron and Rogue it woe. It's a hopeless soul, with Aaron and Rogue it woe. Welcome to episode 45 of The Hopeless Show. We're not giving any other name to this episode. We're not associating the number to anything except for our excitement for our guest, Portugal the Man. They are Grammy winners. They are one of my favorite bands for the last 10, 12 years. And uh, so Zach Carruthers of Portugal the Man is going to be joining us in just a bit, which means that our theme of the episode is music. Yes, music. No matter what the topic, we are going to somehow associate it to music, even if there's nothing music-related about the topic whatsoever. So that'll be a challenge for us. And so news from the quarantine, which isn't a quarantine anymore that much, is uh, so also... we. Any suggestions about what we should call this opening segment? Because we haven't figured it out yet. I mean, technically, we're still in the quarantine, though. Okay, fine. So news from the quarantine, where I've been doing a lot of stuff. (laughs) Yes, news from the quarantine-ish that's less. Well, you have something big I know you want to talk about. Yeah, so um, Matt Matt Gates, Matt Getz, however you say his name. My um, guess is it's Matt Getz. Matt Getz, yeah. He's a House of Representatives from Florida, a Republican. He uh, apparently, his homie and his wingman, wrote a letter of confession that he and Matt did hire a 17-year-old prostitute. Um, this is bad. And now that uh, it's out in the public and confirmed by a close friend of his, I think we... I think it, this is big, major news. It's important. And this is just yet another dirtbag in our political system that is hopefully going to get his comeuppance. And we thought, you know, we just open the show with something that is, it is a big news drop. It is a very big point of news. And, um, and I, you know, Aaron, I don't know what you thought, what you think about it, or if there's anything that, that you've heard or want to remark about it. Oh, I think it's news. great when, I think it's great when, you know, white privileged men commit rape. No, I think it's terrible. (laughs) I think it's awful. I think that it is. I think that these types of crimes like abusing women and all what everything he did, it's, it's like up in the category of murder where it's just, you're, you're destroying people's lives and he's a disgusting human. And this guy needs to go to prison. And I'm glad that he's being outed because he's also the most pompous, arrogant person you could ever like, like I don't he does he doesn't have that that brain cell that that piece of him that that has the word empathy in it or has the word like it's just he's like everything bad about everything in his face I think I've said it before on this show but he has the most punchable face I think in existence even more than Tom Brady and so I Tom Brady's got a beautiful face I think it's punchable but Matt Gates is like or gets or gates, whatever it is. He just needs these people just because they have a certain level of power. Our country, every under law, everyone is created equal and should be treated equally. And he needs to go to jail. Agreed. And I think, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a perfect transition to our first topic. Um, because that is about another shit Muppet. 
um, that will hopefully get his comeuppance. Um, and it took, you know, to, to begin our musical theme, um, I found a song that will, you know, that could lead us into uh, this topic. It's titled um, A Way to Kill Old People by Ed Gein, who I believe is a country singer. But this topic is about someone that I used to like, and now he's, I want him to go to fucking prison, is uh, Andrew Cuomo, governor of New York. Can I just say something, that you, a topic that you said that I'm going to just relate more music to? Yeah. You said the term shit Muppet. Yeah. Which is really funny. <laughs> like shitty Muppets, which is just funny. I love the Muppets. So shitty Muppets is a f- hilarious term. And so in the theme of uh, shit Muppets, great song that uh, our guests, our musical guest will be talking about is uh, they just worked with the person who wrote the song Rainbow Connection, sung by Kermit the Frog and the Muppets, Andy Williams. So that's a little hint and a real direct connection to your term shit Muppet. (laughs) Well, well, shit. Um, Yeah, so, you know, things are just karmically working out. And um, maybe maybe Muppets is the theme all along. But we'll go with music for now. But um, the New York Times uh, released um, an article this uh, this week, um, after, you know, obviously many other publications have been talking about it for many months, but, uh, formally, um, you know, uh, pointing the finger at Andrew Cuomo, who spent months hiding the nursing home death total, um, a death total that was actually responsible, um, for 35% of all deaths in New York due to COVID. Um, mm. and the dude was hiding the numbers and because he was hiding the numbers, cause he, he kind of put it under the the guise of, hey, we're waiting for accurate data. He was then able to continue to take sick people from hospitals, place them into nursing homes. And in effect, he murdered many, many people, you know, and, and the, the, the total count is I'm scrolling through uh, 9,739 people died because in nursing homes mm. with Andrew Cuomo's placement. Now, what is insane, what is absolutely insane is I, you know, the, the comments like New York Times broke this article and, you know, they're, they're considered the most reliable newspaper. I mean, I still think all journalism for the most part is a bunch of Rita Skeeters. Journalism is dead, um, but uh, they are still the most reliable generally. Um, and the, even with them and the comments, when they're tweeting this, this, this sort of breaking news on there and people are like, oh, well, what about Trump? Well, what about this? It's like, it's not about, you, we can tackle many problems at once. The whataboutism and the deflection and everybody just kind of not saying, hey, listen, we're sending Matt Gates to prison because he's a rapist. We need to send Cuomo to prison because he's a sexual assaulter, because he is a murderer. He's literally he was okay with putting people in jail and then releasing books and then winning awards and then taking all this credit for handling this crisis in New York so well, being seen as like, uh, like, and, and just being recognized as this great person. But meanwhile, he did it. He was hiding the deaths that he was causing. So I think our first hopeless topic is how the hell can we find hope in this? And because I don't think he'll ever, he'll ever prosecute because he's not going to step down. He's not going to see a day in prison. Um, and how do we get shit Muppets? when they deserve it. So can I use the deflection way to give hope? Uh, Joe Biden, President Biden uh, yesterday was walking with his wife, Dr. Jill Biden, 
And he bent down and picked a dandelion on the ground for her and he handed it to her and it was a really sweet moment. Yeah, that's not going to work. All right, fine. I'll go to Cuomo. So this guy, <laughs> I tried. At least I tried to defend. I, <laughs> I appreciate tried to be like it. A politician. Uh, so this, uh, it is a true story. Biden did do that. It's a nice, I saw, nice moment. Yeah. Uh, um, so with Cuomo, it's it's that same thing where I really hope we start treating. I, we just said it about Matt Gates or Getz is treating all these people. They're all Americans. Like. You're the governor of, uh, I think it should go all the way up to the presidency. You're a citizen of the United States. Just because of a certain title you hold, like governor of New York, doesn't mean that you're above basic laws like, you know, I, I don't know what they would call it, like a third degree murder, something like that. Um, and so if all of this is true, as it's been reported, then he needs to be held accountable. And I have faith, I guess, that the way that the state of New York works with their how they handle uh, their judicial system, that if true crimes were committed, justice will be served. They're going after they just raided. I think we're going to talk about it in a minute, but they just raided Giuliani's uh, uh, apartment and his office. So he wasn't above the law that has all of Trump stuff. So he's not above the law. So why? So uh Maybe Cuomo's house is next because it's there's continuing to show that nobody is above the law. Nobody is above basic human decencies. And uh, I my guess is if again, if all this is true, I have not read all the the uh, reportings that you've read. So if all of this is true, all I know that's true about Andrew Cuomo is that he has nipple rings. So yeah. if beyond that, if all of this is true, I think there it'll take time, but he will get some sort of comeuppance because people they're starting to show more and more people are getting some of their due justice. I hope so. I mean, the fact that this this story has been out for so long and it's been ignored for so long, even going back to before the election, people were saying nursing home deaths, nursing home deaths, nursing home deaths, and everyone was just brushing it aside. Now that the election's over, because that would have hurt the Democrats a lot if they had a major governor that claimed to have been doing so well was actually hiding thousands and thousands and thousands of deaths and still packing nursing homes with very sick people and killing old people. The fact that this was ignored, but now that they're approaching, oh, it's convenient after the election, it doesn't feel like justice to me. And I did not vote for Donald Trump, but I, don't, I do not think that this was a fair way to handle anything. And the fact is that he's been protected by his party. And I will go on the record, and I've said it before, I'll say it again, that if you are an elected official of the United States in the House of Representatives or the Senate, there's a solid, I think a 90% chance that you're a subhuman fucking scum piece of shit. And, um, and you know, I mean, Cuomo's of the state government. Let's put it there too. I think most politicians that are elected are absolute narcissistic, evil, evil people. And I don't think he's exempt, but this is just one party that controls the media, controls the narrative, now finally releasing this, but nothing, I don't think anything's gonna happen. And maybe it's something we're gonna follow, but his comeuppance is, is I think, it's been put off for so long. The fact that it took the New York Times so long to break this story when everybody's been talking about it for a while, but it's like nobody wanted to admit it. Now they even had on tape his assistant a few months ago saying, oh my God, yeah, we were hiding this. We did not want anybody to find out about that during the election. That would have killed us. And this is like, this is stuff that it, it, it's absolutely crazy. And I'm glad that a reputable source thing, the New York Times is finally going into depth with it, but it's too little too late. And um, I guess we'll I have happens. hope for you. 
I have hope for you. I think our next goal for the show, because of your utter disdain for politicians, is we have to have a politician on this show. And I want to see you go toe to toe with a politician. And yeah. I'll help. I mean, I'll be there. Oh, but I'll get I killed. Want... I'm sure. But I only, I only like three politicians. That's the only, and then I hate the rest for them. All right, I'm okay with a few. Like I'm okay with Biden, but I hate the rest. I only like Andrew Yang, Bernie Sanders, and Tulsi Gabbard. And then the rest are just on my shit list outside of maybe Biden and some other people. But it's, it's, it's whoever's going to come on probably going to not like. And I'm excited for it. Um, if so that's that. that's a goal. That's we Correct. can hope gong your. I think what we will do right now is hope gong, which is a type of music. It's a gong. We will hope gong the fact that Rohit might see the end of this show and his life, but he'll have his opportunity with as long this as it's not politician. Yeah. Who do you? Who can it not be? It cannot be Hillary Clinton because everybody that criticizes her has been broken back. They've gotten fucking shot. They've shot themselves in the back of the head twice. A lot of deaths tied to her. So I don't want any. I don't want her on the show. No thanks. Uh, um, okay, so no Hillary Clinton. Although if yes. Hillary Clinton wants to be on this show, she's coming on this show. But yeah, I'll skip that day. <laughs> All right, there's a gong. The gong is for f- us being able to have hash us out with somebody in the future. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because Rohit, Rohit ain't happy. He hates them all and he no. hates them all equally, but someone I, needs to pay. I oh. also love that whatever was in your coffee today or tea or lemonade, it's got you feisty today. Oh, yeah. I like it. I don't even drink caffeine. So, yeah, I'm just I know. naturally feisty. Yeah. You're just oh. having an extra feisty day, which is great. So, bring up the next topic and just keep our, going to town. Our next topic is Crypto Watch. And it, it's, it's, I think the song that I think we can dedicate to this is um, Fly Me to the Moon uh, by Frank Sinatra. <laughs> because Fly for all the listeners, to the moon. <laughs> Let me wish upon the stars. But, you know, we're trying to get to the moon right now. And I think um, the news that we have is um, let's talk about Doge. How's Dogecoin doing? Uh, Well, last I checked Dogecoin. And again, for those who don't know, these are the coins that don't do anything that are the ones that we're recommending. They have no purpose. They don't actually like do anything. They were just invented so people can put money into them and hopefully they go up and then they make money and or they go down. Dogecoin, uh, which is like a little dog thing, I is up, I think. I think it's like it's doing pretty well again. Yep. Uh it's at like thirty something cents. It's thirty four cents. It's actually up eight cents from when we were whining and bitching lab at it last week. So yeah. it's yeah. So it's gone up uh about fifty percent. But then uh or safe thirty percent. SafeMoon, yep. which is the other one that we recommended on this show that Rohit spent about 12 hours researching and then I used his 12 hours and spent about an hour researching or doing what he told me to do and I couldn't do it. So I actually had to go over there to have him do it. We've like, it's like gone in half. <laughs> yeah, it's really bad. And also we did not recommend it. We will never make recommendations. We will just talk about things that we like. So FTC, do not worry yes. if you are listening to this podcast. Which they are. So like things we would recommend, for example, I recommend if you're thirsty, drink water. That I recommend. You can hold me to that. <laughs> um, what else? If your feet hurt, don't walk for a little bit. Okay, simple. I'll give one more, one more, just just to throw it out there. 
Ready for it? If mm-hmm. you're hungry, eat. This is all really, really um, uh, great advice. But I think overall, I think our takeaway from this section is Doge is up and maybe we found a new baseline. Maybe the baseline for Doge is somewhere around 30 cents. Um, I'm very glad that Aaron and I bought it at about most of ours about at about three cents, which is great. Yeah. Um, but uh, keep. We you know, also we're, we're, don't know how to take it out. Neither of us know how to take it out. Yeah. Of oh, I figured account. it out. I figured it oh, out. Oh, you did? Yeah. 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 Um, yes. We'll, yes. We got to get a Trezor cold storage um, externally. I mean, we don't have to do it that way, but we can transfer it to a wallet and then um, through an offline wallet. But anyway, um, I do think that Doge has found a nice baseline. And right now, SafeMoon is we might have just sunk in the money we sunk in as a learning experience. Uh, but we're still going to hold. Or like it happened to me with Dogecoin from years ago. In a in like two years, it goes crazy. Yeah. So yeah. let's hope for that. Exactly. But- if 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 it hits one, if it hits two cents, Aaron and I will be millionaires. Safe Moon. And if Dogecoin hits uh, thirty two cents, we'll both be millionaires. So, oh sorry, or sorry, if it hits uh, three dollars and twenty cents. No, if it's $32. If it's $32, then oh. we'll be So Doge needs hits get, $32, and then uh, the other safe moon needs to hit two cents. And then we'll uh, do this podcast one day from the moon. Yeah, Because exactly. we'll just have so much money. Aaron and I are going to go uh, halves and buy it. Um, moving on to our next topic. And the song that uh, I think will represent this topic is uh, a song by Phil Oaks. Um, he was, uh, from the 1960s. It's called Draft Dodger Rag, um, on the album, I Ain't Marching Anymore. Sarge, I'm only 18. I got a ruptured spleen. I'd always carry a purse. I've got eyes like a bat and my feet are flat and my asthma's getting worse. So Aaron, what is our topic? The topic is the NFL draft. And by the way, that's one of my favorite songs ever. I've never heard it, but I love it either. Yeah. I love the name. Um, it's the NFL draft, which uh, just happened. And I guess the NFL draft is a big event for people who like football. Uh, for people who don't like football, it is probably one of the most boring things you could ever watch. So we're going to try to make it interesting when we talk about it for the next couple of minutes, regardless of if you like football or not. Uh, also a music reference, the band Kings of Leon put on a show like right before the draft. And it reminded me of how good they were 10 years ago and how much they're not good anymore. They're like, like for some reason, they hit like a chord, Kings of Leon, 10, 12 years ago. I remember I went to their first show at the Forum here uh, in L.A. And it was like their first big show in like a stadium. And the energy was just insane. Their energy was insane. I think they were on a lot of drugs at the time. So maybe that helped them. Uh, But not the again don't we're not recommending do drugs to help your careers but it seemed like it did so it was sad to see them perform and just be pretty bland uh so that was before the the draft then the draft started and i don't know what would you what would be a takeaway besides the fact that Roger Goodell the commissioner of the NFL was at it and i just despise that man with every bone of my body 
Um, I think my takeaways was, dude, they got real weird. So they set up, it was in Cleveland and they set up the stage and, you know, they had all fans from various teams and different sections wearing their gear, cheering for them. But as each team's pick was made and Roger Goodell was walking up the catwalk to go announce it at the podium, he happened to walk by, they picked before each team picked a fan that was sitting on a leather lazy boy on the stage that Roger Goodell would awkwardly walk by and say hi to. It was the strangest, mm-hmm. weirdest thing ever. Uh, and it, I just couldn't understand who thought of that, why anybody thought it was a good idea. And everybody sitting on stage was just, they looked like really uncomfortable. Um, so that was my takeaway besides the fact that, you know, the you know the New York Giants dropped back. They I thought they made a great trade. You know, when they couldn't get Devontae Smith, they traded the Bears. They got a first rounder, fourth and a fifth rounder to just to drop nine, nine, nine picks back from 11 to 20. And it looks like with the Bears schedule for next season, the Bears would be lucky if they can win five games. So that is most likely going to be a bonus top 10 pick for the Giants next year um, in the first round. So I'm really, really excited for that. That's my takeaway. And I think we got a young, exciting wide receiver who's a nice playmaker. How about you, Aaron? Well, the so to me the the chair thing is the epitome of what's wrong with the NFL and what's wrong with Roger Goodell. That chair was what he had in his basement last year when he did the draft during the pandemic and it's kind of a worn down chair. So I think he thought it would be cute if his multi-million dollar piece of shit ass chair was up on stage cuz look, he's just like you and now you can sit on the chair that he sat in. Like anyone cares about the chair that he sits in, you entitled prick, and you person who don't doesn't care about humanity at all and just cares about making a buck, Roger Goodell. And you're welcome to be on this show, Roger Goodell, and I'll say the same thing to your face. So I just thought it was everything wrong. And then he'll he one lucky fan, one lucky little plebeian in the stands is lucky enough to sit where he sat. So they come up briefly and sit there. What's good in Cleveland, I respect everyone in Cleveland. This is why Cleveland rocks is they booed Roger Goodell every single time he walked to the podium loudly. So he got booed. He, I think, wanted to do that walk so that every time, you know, he'd be recognize look all good in his stupid ass suit and instead he just got booed every single time and i think even the fans sitting in the chair were like "Ugh, we don't really want to talk to him yeah dude there's a there's one dude that just like straight up dissed him like roger goodell came and he like he's like went to shake his hand the dude didn't shake his hand and goodell like goes to like show him the card about who they're drafting the guy just like looked the other way it's like holy shit this is so uncomfortable it's a bad decision on that end and what i would have done if i was goodell coming out to all those boos i mean he was taking it pretty well he was smiling but I would have done the whole um, uh, Ric Flair. Was it Ric Flair? The way, oh, yeah. Woo, he put his hand behind his ear and just woo! called for more. Woo! And just, yeah, really, really bask in that. But that was our NFL draft experience. I think the Dolphins picked up some nice players. Yeah, we did well. I'm a Dolphins fan, is if you listen to the show. And uh, I think we did exactly what we needed to do. We got an Alabama receiver, uh, Waddle, who is uh, – uh, going to be working with an Alabama quarterback to us. So great. That could work really well. And um, then we had our 18th pick whose name I forget, but he was good. He's a, um, was he a defensive uh, lineman? I'm, I'm blanking actually on who our second pick was, but what I'm actually excited about is our pick, the, the 36th pick. Cause we've stolen so many picks now from people and it hasn't hurt us at all. We just keep getting picks. Like um, like the sixth pick that we had was for the third pick for a 
it was anyway, I won't get into all the details and bore people who don't care, except our next pick is the 36 pick. And I believe we'll get a running back. I wanted us to get Harris from Alabama as our 18th pick, but we didn't. But our next one will be a running back. So that'll be exciting to hopefully get a pretty good running back in the in the mix. All right. That's my assessment of the Dolphins. And overall, the show was really weird. For some reason, I watched it. I don't know why. It was, like, really stupid. Like, these draft shows are just odd. And they're making yeah. them to be – it's almost like a Miss USA pageant. It was just weird. It's weird. Yeah. And I think the big winner of the night, though, was the New England Patriots. where They got quarterback Mac Jones at 15 when he was expected to pot, like many to go at number three. So he dropped back a lot. I mean, who knows if he'll be great or not, but him coming into a Bill Belichick offense with two really big tight ends and, uh, you know, even, and he got a chance to play behind Cam Newton, learn, learn the trade a little bit. Um, I think that is, he couldn't have asked for a better spot to land. Um, so good for Mac yeah. Jones and good for the Patriots. Bad for yeah, the which, is, which absolutely disgusts me. So I hope nothing but the worst for all of that. Uh, I hope it doesn't work out and I hope they lose all 17 games. That gives me hope to think that. So speaking of yeah. yes. speaking of that, speaking of that hope that I'm just going to keep with me no matter what you say, our guest, it is uh, time for us to interview Grammy Award winning artist, co-founder of Portugal The Man, Zachary Carruthers. So without further ado, ado, and if you don't know Portugal The Man, you do actually. You just don't realize it because they had one of the biggest hits of the last like 10 years easy uh, with Feel It Still. But you should also dive into all their other music, which is fantastic. So go for it. And without further ado, here is the interview. How you been? Not too bad, man. I've been uh, been sleeping and living. I got a puppy. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> what you been up to? And our movie came out in October, which was a weird time to have movie in the theaters. Totally, right? <laughs> yeah. It like oh man, how's that that whole thing doing? It was it was cool. It's doing well on Amazon Prime now. Uh it was good in the theaters. The drive in experience was dope. It was really a cool thing to do. And so and you were in LA for a little bit, right? Yeah, it freaked me out, man. I I went down there and I like I haven't been to like a real city in so long. And yeah, my first night there I totally had like a panic attack just going to Target. And it was just, uh, <laughs> it wasn't like I was, was worried about COVID or anything, really. It was just like, I've been kind of living out of town and just haven't been around that many people. And I was just like, holy shit, this is crazy down here. And, uh, and it was, it was weird, but it was kind of fun going and seeing it with like the new eyes and new perspectives that I think everybody's gained during, during COVID, like we're going to come back into the world like different people and it's it's really trippy to see you know just how you view the world differently coming back into it it's a it's interesting for sure the foundation i remember it was before covid and you were telling me about it and uh i just think it's so cool that it's like happening and it actually coincides a bit with what we're doing is i think we talked about so um but i i guess the what i'm curious about the the first thing because look you guys have uh were absolutely crushing it and won the uh the grammy that you know you were touring sell big stadiums all this stuff that was you know i you know like the culmination of all the work for years and years and now covid hits 
and it crushes us. It crushed our industry. It crushed mm-hmm. your industry. Yeah. And I'm I'm kind of curious what that first moment was like when you realized like, whoa, we're not going to be able to do what we thought we were going to do for the next year more. Yeah, it definitely uh, it it definitely was a swift kick to the nuts for sure for everybody. And um, I mean, I I tend to find the the good side in things, and so it was it was weird, but also nice to just wake up every day and not have to like haul ass to go somewhere. I just stayed in my spot, and I I I I was appreciative of that, and um, and I was in a situation where I could where I could do that, and I felt very very lucky. Um, to not uh, to just be able to kind of focus on things at home and family. I and mean, we haven't spent this much time at home since we were teenagers and uh, <laughs> yeah, got a dog, started building a house and like just got to actually be there and take care of a lot of things. And honestly, just have time to think and kind of, uh, you know, it was like kind of spring cleaning for everybody's priorities. And it was really cool. And we, we had, unfortunately we had, we had just started our foundation which uh which we figured a lot of stuff out at first though it did sucks our whole idea was we go and play shows like we're used to and we raise money for these specific causes and uh then just the money part went away so we had to get very creative and we've spent the last year just like mostly working on that but we found really cool ways to uh, do fundraisers and do different things without playing shows. And so once we get back into that, it'll just get a little easier. And we've kind of, we've still managed to do a lot more than I thought we would have been able to do. And which is good because there's a lot of things that, you know, need fixing and now is kind of the time. And that self-realization concept, I definitely have gone through it. There have been some ups and downs, roller coasters. I probably had a slightly less good attitude than than you about the staying still at first. It was it was a struggle. Uh, very also used to like always being out on the road, doing things, being places, meeting people, and then to just have that stillness. Now I didn't grow up in Alaska, so I didn't grow up with stillness, but I grew up with with LA ness. But the yeah, that perspective. What was there? Was there one part that was a particular maybe struggle? Um, it was mostly uh, an inward struggle, and just like especially during you know the height of like the BLM movement and stuff, and doing a lot of like reading and introspective, and kind of realizing um, that. Uh, you know, I'm part of the problem and realizing the ways that I've helped perpetuate, you know, um, white supremacy in systems. And uh, yeah, it kind of, it took, um, it wasn't, didn't feel good, um, but it was, uh, it was absolutely necessary. I learned a lot and uh, there's some, like some truth pills that were definitely hard to swallow. And, but I think that I mean, I certainly needed that. It was it was definitely an awakening. I've I've realized a lot of stuff since then. Um, yeah, the things that aren't good, but it's like you you need to know those things and in, in order to in order to change things. And um, I do think that this time has proven to everybody that you know just uh, with with our systems and things inside our house is giving us a chance to to change those things and 
the the reason because of how you act or how a system is built is just like oh that's the way it's always been that just doesn't work anymore for me and and that was like that was just an excuse that i used and everybody used for a long time and now it's like no fuck that it's like doesn't need to be that just because that's the way it's always been that's stupid as shit things change we're supposed to evolve and so you know it's uh you got to figure we got to figure things out and um acknowledgement is always the first step in recognizing that there's a problem and what to what to do about it and i don't i don't have any of those answers but i'm looking for them and i'm actually <laughs> uh i'm definitely seeing the world uh um closer to what it is more, definitely more than i did a year ago that's for sure and, and that priorities thing I know I've thought about it a lot. Like, what are our life priorities? What is the, what are the things that really matter? Uh, having, you know, for you going and playing a big concert, mm. I'm guessing when you were little, that was a priority. Gro- oh, getting yeah. closer to it, that was a priority. Has it switched a bit in terms of, okay, what matters? In- well, yeah, and just thinking about why are you doing this? Like, everybody's got that that hustle mentality and just like the rise and grind, but then you just gotta be like, for what? Like, I don't want to do that for money. I want, I want worthy endeavors and, and you got to have a reason, you know, we don't want to just go out. I don't want to just go out and play a show. I want to go out and like say something. And if I don't have anything to say, then what's the point of me going out and doing it? It's uh, same with social media. I got like all bummed out and spun out about that. It's like, it's like if you don't have anything good to say or something that helps people or that's interesting and artful or just with some sort of other layer i'm just like why say something why put more noise and bullshit into the world if it's not like not saying that it's all bad because it isn't but it's like it's like i just want worthy endeavors and i want to go out and and anything i do i want it to have some sort of purpose and before covid man i was just hauling ass all over the place and very inefficient and I still am. I'm, we're a horribly inefficient bunch, but it's just, <laughs> but it's just now this like everything has a reason, and whether it's you know um, you know taking out the trash and recycling, or mowing the lawn, or taking the dog for a walk, or going to work, or whatever I do, I just I just want it to have purpose and want it to like I want to do what's right. Because before I was just doing all these things and uh, you know meeting meeting people where it, it didn't really matter and it's it's just i think now that things are starting to come back it's going to be interesting i did just so many things just because i was supposed to and now i'm just like nah i'm gonna i'm gonna do the things that i want to do and it is being a little selfish but it's like but also in a way that it's being selfish but for the better of the world and it's like it's keeping the planet in mind and keeping the community in mind and just like yeah just like trimming the fat man taking off some of the some of the excess bullshit and just like do the stuff that matters even if it's less and uh but people are just always hustling and always doing something and i just want people to kind of stop them like why what is it what is it for and uh yeah the why and also you you said a big thing the supposed to's and i think in uh the in the entertainment industry in general, let's put it in a broad scope here with music and film and TV, all that stuff. There are so many supposed tos. There are so many 
you've got to do this. You've got to meet this person. You got to talk to that person. You got to go there. You got to go to this party. Like uh, personally for me, this year was kind of cool because the Oscars happened and I didn't go to a party. I just chilled with friends. And it was like, wait, I actually enjoyed this a lot more. <laughs> yeah, you don't need to be there. And and everybody always thinks about that. And like, yeah, you got to kind of take yourself out of it. Just be like, wait a minute, this isn't about me. And uh, no. it's like networking isn't all bullshit it's it's totally not it's like it's like purposeful but and and it can really help and you can meet like-minded people and and you can help them they can help you and like go for a common goal yeah i just want people to ask those questions like why am i doing this what's it for is it a worthy endeavor if it is go for it and if not stay at home and figure out something that uh, that'll do better or go camping or go fishing or go do whatever you like to do that uh clears your mind and just like makes yourself like yeah healthier I, I think people should do what they want what makes them happy and understand that's got to change and that's what it's been weird struggle for me because i have had so much fun just like fishing and camping and doing this and i'm like worried because i'm 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 losing some of the drive for music that I once had, but I got to just kind of listen to my insights. Cause the whole reason I'm here and I'm a professional musician is because there was a huge chunk of my life that I woke up every day and I just wanted to play music and make music and do that. And so I did now I'm here, but then I should just listen to my body. And if I wake up every day and I'm like, no, nah, I don't feel like playing music today. I feel like going hitting the river first. I should listen to that too and just see where it leads me. And, uh, because it felt right and as long as it's coming from a place of truth that you know because there is no like collective truth really or very few but there there is always one in you people have a really good compass inside them and i think they know um they got a good sense of direction and like what they want to do and what feels right and i just really want people to like listen to that compass in whatever they do and you're talking about the compass and it's maybe we can go back in time a little because your compass has changed. Um, and but back as a, a kid in uh, in small town of 10,000, Wasilla, Alaska, you uh, wanted to be, you know, break free, be a musician, be in L.A., right? Be like get discovered, do all that. So looking back, do you look at like that you, that Zach and think like, whoa, uh, that was very different or, or what was that like being growing up in, in Wasilla, being, having that drive, having that want, and also knowing most people from there, it doesn't happen. Yeah, it's, it's different. I mean, everybody works super hard in Alaska. It's a, it's a very hardworking community and they do it you know, with purpose. They do it to survive and you've got to go, it's cold there, man. You stop working, you die. And so you keep building your house you keep uh, adding insulation you, um, you know, you keep the, uh, keep the fire burning, you know, but uh, for us, it was, we did have that drive to go out and do that, but it wasn't quite the hustle, like get noticed. I think we just kind of used it as a tool. We were just curious and hungry for experience. And so we used music as just a way to travel. It was kind of, um, it was kind of the, just the means that we took to go out and meet people and, uh, you know, walk the streets, climb the mountains, eat the food, drink the drinks, uh, see the city. And we just found out, it's like, all right, we can, we can play music. And, you know, if we book a tour, like somebody will 
pay us gas money barely to uh to get to the next <laughs> town and uh, we just kept doing that and there was never a whole lot of purpose in it we just knew that we wanted to see as many things as possible and that we wanted to write get better at songwriting and um, that took a little while to figure out too for us that that's what we were actually trying to do is just make better songs and tell better stories in a more concise way but um but yeah, it was all kind of, it was kind of a byproduct of just getting out and wanting to experience things and see the world. And I mean, it worked. <laughs> yeah, it ended up persistent, you know, like 17 years later, you know. Yeah, you're getting to, and it's like, I mean, I probably, I first, I think saw you in around 2009 perform. Um, very different. Uh, I don't remember even where it was, somewhere in LA that wasn't big. And uh and um, it was a sick show, and I just thought you guys were cool, and ha and I loved the Beatles, like how you guys would integrate Beatles into some of your songs, uh, which was pretty uh, exciting. And thought, wow, this is a great band. Now you've evolved a ton since then. Um, what what's that like? To you still well, you have to right. <laughs> Uh, but how, like, so how did you decide or how does that, cause a lot of bands, they, their sound stays the same. It doesn't really from album to album people, they, what, if it, if it doesn't, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Right. Is that the phrase? I think that's the phrase and sure it's good enough. And so like, but you guys, it was, you were making good music, but wanted to keep fixing it, wanted to keep involving. What was that like to change with each album to change the sound? It was frustrating and freeing, you know, we, we never, we never really knew who we wanted to be. And I think that's, it's a little bit of an identity crisis, but I think we just realized that that's our identity and we just embraced that. We're like, oh, we just kind of want to play whatever we want to at the, at the moment. And luckily we've got, I think, you know, with John's voice being so, um, kind of specific and uh and and original that we can kind of bounce back and forth between genres and do kind of whatever we want and we're never it's luckily we've set it up like that so anything we do it's never not us and and i like that it's very it's very freeing because we never know you know times change people change and we yeah, we, we want to write different stuff all the time. Once again, it's the same thing as uh, experience. We just want to see as many places and we want to write as many different things as we can. It's fun like we to see what you can do with it. I mean, you know, you're an artist. It's like, and everything's kind of been done I mean, with music. There's only 12 notes and it's just amazing yeah. what you can do with them. It's it's wild. And uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty insane. Sometimes we just look at a guitar and I'm like, all right, there's six strings. There's this many frets. I'm just like, how many songs have been written on this? It's on this instrument. It's just, it's unbelievable. And we're just going to keep going until we run out. Well, that's like with film, there's, there's only really 20 stories to tell. And then there's just all the variations of the 20 stories, but that's it. There's only really 20 and there's only 12. Like sometimes there's only three. If you really break it down, it's like, was like yeah. man versus man, man versus nature, man. Yeah. It's like, it's a, uh, um, man versus himself and it's like it's it's that's crazy it. yeah it's like it's that's it's wild. really it yeah and that's and that's the whole point is finding you know 
using the same old toys to make new noise, man. It's like the, that's the, that's, that's what's fun. And yeah, those stories and how you share them and who tells them and who curates it makes it all so different and uh, just connects on so many different ways. It's all about connection. That's what all of this is for. It's like anytime that any artist or storyteller or religion or politics or food or anything, it's like, you're just trying to share an experience, which is the hardest thing to do. And that's why you try to just share just this pinprick of a, like the point and everybody's just trying to, to tell that story and share an experience that they had. And yeah, it's the hardest thing to do, but trying is the, yeah, a very worthy endeavor. Well, you can't do it if you don't try. And uh, I guess, were there moments like jo you and John grew up together, friends, you've been through it all, which is a cool thing. Actually, me and my uh, business partner who run our Howling Wolf Productions, same idea, been friends forever. And there's ups and downs. But is it nice to have that camaraderie even when you, uh, I'm sure, butt heads a bunch? and We've broken each other's ribs couple times and uh <laughs> um and yeah we definitely we, we're we're brothers you know you know what it's like it's like you know love like brothers you fight like brothers you do all that stuff and it's because uh i don't know you and your partner are but like me and john are it's weird we're incredibly different people could not be more different but we have very similar ideals and goals and so it works because and in this band we're a we have you know different psychopaths on every end of the the spectrum, of, <laughs> you know, just like everybody's just got their own very specific, uh, psychotic disorder. And, but it all, it all works. And if there was two of any of us, it wouldn't, it wouldn't happen. It wouldn't work. Me and John were the same people. We, we fight about that, but that's what makes it good. If there was two of him, this band would explode. If there's two of me, man wouldn't do anything is like it was it's just there's got to be there's got to be light and there's got to be fire and there's got to be yin and yang and peanut butter and jelly and you got to have <laughs> you got to have those combinations man you uh, uh you stack up too many things at the same and it just doesn't work and so we've got a good thing going and and it's it's a difficult um it's difficult but when it when it works and all falls into place it really does and it may not be the easiest road but when we get there, we know that we've exhausted all of the possibilities and where we ended up was usually what we felt was right. And that that yin and yang thing is, I mean, yeah, you're you're more the, uh, you'd say, extrovert. <laughs> and uh, and so it's uh, it's not, wouldn't be great to have two extroverts or two introverts. That's when bands go. Pfft. And uh, and so uh, and so then with you guys going through all this and then and. I'm kind of curious what you think on your scale with uh, the the song that made you the got you the Grammy and everything. Feel it still. Uh, was it a, th a song that you even thought you guys you've been working at this for, you've been a band for what 12, 13, 14 years, and then you have this three minute ditty that breaks through? Like, did you uh, guys were you surprised? Was it even a song that you were? particularly like, oh, this is like the best thing we've ever written. I knew it was good. Um, and I knew I thought it would do very well on alternative radio. I didn't think when when our label 
when we met like the pop side of our label, they came in and said that they were going to try to cross it over to mainstream. I was like, okay. At the time, I'm like, okay, cool. I'm 36. I'm a little bit overweight. I'm from Wasilla, Alaska. I'm like, and you want to put me up with like Bieber and shit? I'm like, I don't, I don't think this is going to work, pal. But you're, you're a, a doppelganger. doppelganger. You and Bieber basically are the same person. We're the same person. Totally. And, uh, <laughs> and, um, but it was, it was funny and it, it did well. And I think it just, there was just something about it and, and something that like, I mean, all stars aligned for that. It was just, it was the right time. It was the right thing. Like if that song came out this year, don't think it would have done as well. Like nowhere even yeah. close. It's like, it's just all, all the things work, but I mean, we're just persistent. Yeah. We've been a band forever. We put out a lot of music and even a broken clock's right twice a day, you know? It's like, finally, <laughs> yeah. the world just gave in. They're just like, look, it's fucking Portugal. The man guy's like, I just don't think they're going anywhere. So let's throw them a bone. And uh, we're like, okay, okay. We'll like one of your songs. But it's funny. We went to having like a hundred songs to having one. And it's, uh, it's pretty, it was pretty interesting, but it was, it was super cool. It opened up uh, just some amazing doors. We got to meet so many new people. And once again, being in it for the experience, that's, that's what was cool. We got to hang out with a lot of really amazing producers and songwriters, and we've just got to learn so much more about uh, the process of other people. And that's what really like kind of intrigues me about meeting anybody in film or music or any kind of art, actually not even art, just anything. I really like people's creative process, even if they're not in a like classically creative job, everybody has this creativity in them and uh, problem solving. And I just, I get fascinated with talking to people about their process. And when you can take little bits of information and put it into your context of your own life, it's just, that's shit's really cool, man. Well, that, that's actually something that I appreciate in the identical way is that everyone has a story every and life is about the story. So whatever stories we can keep grabbing, use pieces of it, learn about it, learn how to use them in our lives, you learn how to use them in positive ways in our lives, while also uh, just seeing how other people operate. And, you know, some some profession that maybe we wouldn't necessarily understand, like, let's say, being an accountant. I've been talking to our, our accountant lately and finding wow, that's how you went through COVID. That's what you were doing during. It's interesting. Their creative process and how to do that. It's like everyone has their own method and that they're all fascinating. Yeah, so yeah. fascinating. Yeah, listening to people's stories is so cool. And I've, I've really come away with like finding like truth in fiction. It's, uh, and especially now when just like with all the, all the access to the, you know, the internet and like so much access to news or whatever yeah. it is, or opinions. It's like, dude, trying to find truth is hard as shit. Man, it was great having Zach on. He's a great dude, such a humble guy. And to just hear the stories of of what they're doing. And, and I, 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 don't, I hope it resonated with, with you, Rohit. The idea that they give back a piece of their uh what they make in their uh from their shows to indigenous communities in that city or in that community is is just something i i would love to see any successful artist do is to give back when they go to a community 
I love it. And I think I'm, firm, I'm a firm believer of leave every place that you've been better than when you found it. And they are doing that with their music and they are doing that with that sales. And I think that's how the world gets better. And, they, and that is a big hope builder. So amazing interview. Um, and, you know, big, big shout out um, to, for, to coming on our show. And thank you for that. And so that, uh, and we have another another great guest next week too. So can't wait to bring you more guests as uh, we continue bringing you hope and guests and hopelessness and feistiness from Rohit and all of the above that I just said and more. So with that, it's time to get really feisty because it's our debate Ooh. section. Yeah. Um, so I think the song that we can use to represent this one is Facts, a song by American rapper Kanye West released as a promotional <laughs> single uh, in New Year's Eve 2015. 2020, I'ma run the whole election. Yeah. I've been trimming years, y'all a couple days. Easy in the house and we just gotta praise. Nike, Nike, treat employee just like slave. So this is about uh, the Washington Post has announced that after the first 100 days in office, um, they're going to be ending their presidential fact checker database. They're still mm -hmm. gonna fact check, but they're gonna end the database. I think that's utterly bullshit. You caught Trump on so many lies and that was great. But now you're just gonna stop checking on our current president because he's what? He's different with a capital D in parentheses. Like, I don't understand this. I think it's absolute crap. And especially for uh, Washington Post, a a journalism uh, company, you know, a newspaper that uh, whose slogan is um, democracy dies in the dark. They're now going dark. Um, I think this is outlandish um, and it shows again, I'm not a Republican, but all this kind of stuff is just is upsetting that we cannot get fairness in terms of reporting. So I'm really upset that Washington Post is after doing all their fact, great fact checking in many ways, um, they're stopping it in terms of doing the database with Biden. How do you feel? So we have a disagreement here. Uh, that's why this is called the debate section, because what they are doing is they're stopping that database, which has cost them a lot of money. It's an actual like a, an outside company that they have to use to keep the database going. They're going to still like let it be known when uh, the president says something that is incorrect. It will be in their reporting, but they're going to stop that database. And the reason why I think it's fine that they're doing this is in the first hundred days of Trump's uh, of Trump's uh, presidency or whatever you would call it, uh, he had 8,000 lies, <laughs> 8,000 in Biden's first uh, 100 days in the, of his presidency. He's had 67. So anyway, you could just keep track like you could just see them in their articles if it ever happens, whereas 8000 lies is a lot of lies. He, he's a professional liar. He's told more lies than truths. So I think Trump was an outlier. Therefore, the need to have this database was an outlier. And I just don't think if there's only 67 in 100 days, I mean, do the math. That's like maybe less than 200 in a year if that pace keeps up, which usually it gets a little less. As it goes on, I just don't think it's necessary to for them to be spending more money when journalism already is having trouble okay. keeping it's their staff. It's not necessary. 
Okay, so you're saying it's not necessary because they think he's a Democrat and therefore he's not going to lie. We, it's not. It's not. Worth no, it because we don't. No, no, no. I think be, I think they're doing it simply because of the facts. They have eight thousand lies from Trump in his first one hundred days. They have sixty-seven lies from Biden in his first hundred days. So based on that, it's let's use a baseball analogy. If your team uh, is hitting a lot of uh, home runs and you're leading the league in home runs, you're not going to then go feel the need to go sign a home run hitter. You're going to be like, all right, we have enough home runs. We're good. If your team is hitting zero home runs and is like, whoa, we need to like maybe get like some analytics going for the home for to get more home runs to, you know, do the swing. So there's more of a uppercut, all the stuff they've been doing in baseball. Well, then we'll need to invest more in that because of it. The Washington Post invested more because he had 8,000 lies in his first 100 but days. But here's some of the lies, and this is one that New York Times also had, where they said it was he made a, uh, Trump made a false claim, where Trump said that combat operations in Afghanistan uh, began uh, fighting in the Middle East for almost 19 years. New York Times claims this is false. This is a tweet from the New York Times. It has been almost 18 years. So Trump was off by one year. It was a misspeak, and they count that as a lie, right? And so this is like, this is the things that they're nitpicking, and I'm okay with that. But the thing is, they are not nitpicking this current president, and they are stopping this database because they said, oh, we had such a volume, and we had such a small amount. It doesn't matter. You need to have standards, and if you only have certain standards, for one party's president, that well, is wait, not true journalism. This They're isn't not, party. I think this isn't doesn't have to do with party. It they has started to the do database. With, they started the database with Trump. They stopped because it because he's Trump. the because he's the he's the outlier president of the United States. And we don't. But thing is, we even though he's he's got a great amount. Why do you stop having a database that was useful and it was it helped influence voters? You stop having a database because you like this current guy. It doesn't matter if you like. They him or didn't not. say that. They didn't say that. They said it. They only had they 67. They didn't. There were only 67 false claims by Biden, including probably where he was off a year or whatever, because they said there's so 67 total. If it's 67. So that means now there's no database where you can go and search them. No, they they stopped it after. The yeah, but, but there's days. no database for all his future lies. Why should if, that not be accessible if you made it accessible for one? They're basing it on the first hundred days of information. My guess is if he starts becoming a Trump, which he won't because no one is Republican or Democrat, no matter who you are, you're like George W. Bush didn't lie like that. Obama didn't lie. Like, no, no one's lied like Trump. He's an outlier of a specimen. And so they created this database because you have an outlier of a specimen. I think Republican or Democrat president going forward, you don't need this database anymore. Uh, I just I, don't I, I just see the fact it. That, that, our, that our current president has told 67 lies already, which is far less than Trump, but it's still 67 lies on the fact that you do not feel the need to categorize future ones just because, oh, it's probably not going to be as many. Like that is utter journalistic corruption. Can, can, I, can I just g yeah. give another comparison to our topic that we just brought sure. up, crypto? The 67 versus 8,000 is the equivalent of Dogecoin price versus Bitcoin price. If... That's how big a difference. So if we, if uh, if Biden's lies turned into Trump's lies, we'd be billionaires. This has nothing to do with crypto. This is the fact that saying, okay, there's a certain amount of lies that we are okay with, and it just happens to be that it's a Democrat party. And we, and Washington Post did not endorse Donald Trump. They endorsed Joe Biden. They were very, very anti-Trump in many ways. They're not a good newspaper, but the fact that they created this and the fact that they're stopping this shows that the jur the journalism does not exist in the way it used to exist because they say we are okay with the volume 
of Joe Biden's lies. We don't need to track them really. We're okay with his volume of lies. We're okay that he lies. We were not okay that Trump lies because we did we had eight thousand lies. They they like literally were calling fact checking on him just like stumbling over grammatical things. Those are in the fact check. And I hate fucking Donald Trump. I hate that guy. But the fact is that they tracked it. The fact is that they are not tracking Joe Biden. Said stop because we are okay with the number of lies he's given me. That is journalistic garbage. And I think this is a thing. I'm always about fairness, and and this is this is greatly upsetting. I am not okay with a certain number of lies from him. Again, this will is just proves that journalism is not is not fair it's not equal we are treating presidents differently if one lies less or more that's, that doesn't matter you keep a database you start at a database and if you pull it out because your guys in office that is absolutely horrible and i just i can't be swayed otherwise i don't think all right so we want to know what you think the audience do you think yeah. that uh my claim that if there's only been 67 false claims of any type by Joe Biden that they don't need to pay for this whole database anymore because Trump was an outlier with 8,000 in his first 100 days versus 67? Or do you think what Rohit just said about how regardless there should be a database and that they were being politically swayed is uh, is what's going on? I obviously yeah, think that Trump was an outlier. Rohit thinks that he wasn't and it should always be that way. So... I'm curious yeah, what I mean, you think because they're making our it so debate you cannot. Yeah, they're making it so you cannot find Joe Biden's lies going forward. They are hiding his lies from you by not by removing the database. That is utter corruption, and yeah, that that's that's my final point. But I so I've got to ask you before we continue: is what do you really think? <laughs> <laughs> like I, I'm just trying to get to the bottom of your yeah. opinion. So. Once you figure that out, just let me know. In the meantime, because it's we're the shit Muppets is a thing. I'm just playing a minute of. All right, we just need we just Kermit. needed a little permit there. Oh, Kermit. Yeah. Uh, uh, um. Just it's not easy being green. Um, Aaron, I got two words for you. Yeah. Star Whackers. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. I think our next topic, I'd love for you to take off our next topic, but Star Star Whackers is a song <laughs> written and performed by the person in our next topic. What? He yeah. in what move in what movie? Wait. Okay, well, I'm gonna bring up the topic. Wait, what move what movie? Uh, I don't know, but I just looked it up. Is it from like Kingpin? Uh, no, no, it's his, it's his in his own personal. Oh well, then that goes without repertoire. saying because of who yeah. he is. So, the topic is Randy Quaid. If you don't know who Randy Quaid is, you actually do because he's been in so many movies and stuff. He's also the brother of Dennis Quaid, comedian. Some of his uh, biggest films were um, uh, he. I think was nominated for an Oscar or won an Oscar for a, a movie called Midnight Express about being a prisoner in uh, Russia. Uh, great movie, really intense movie. He was the star of the movie Kingpin. He was, uh, he's, what, what are some of his other big ones? He was in, um, he played Lyndon B. Johnson in a big movie, I believe. He was LBJ. He was the br- in the Vacation movies, in National Lampoon's Vacation. He's uh, the brother or the uh, is it the brother or the cousin? Cousin Eddie, the redneck guy. So he, 
he's been in a lot. You would know him. He's a really funny guy. He also is absolutely insane. I mean, did we tell him this person's name yet? Have we revealed that yet? Or you're about Randy to? Quaid? Did I not yes. say Randy Quaid? I don't think you said it. Okay, his name is Randy Quaid. He is the brother of Dennis Quaid and all the other things I just said. And so, uh, yeah, just you know, a little slow right now with my uh, thought process. He, uh, so he's done it all. The man has been in so many funny, good movies, serious movies as well. And here's the thing with Randy Quaid. He, oh, huge Trump supporter. Also that. Oh, now, boy. here's what went... But that's not even the thing. That's like not even the thing that I'm even getting to yet where it makes me feel hopeless. Because I actually, I love Randy Quaid. I'm a fan of his. Uh, he was uh, he was in the movie Brokeback Mountain. I mean, he's done a lot. So in 2009, Quaid and his wife, and there's a real deep dive you can do into this, were arrested for allegedly defrauding an innkeeper in Santa Barbara by using an invalid credit card to pay $10,000 bill. <laughs> the two were released on bail that evening. And then they failed to appear in court and disappeared. <laughs> they actually disappeared. Then they were charged with burglary in Santa Barbara. And then they were charged with wrongfully trespassing. And then they were charged with forging signatures. And then they moved to Canada. They went and sought asylum in Canada so that they wouldn't be charged. And then they lived in Montreal to avoid these charges. And then somehow they came back to California and are now living in Vermont and that's so they've been on the they've been on the run repeatedly from the law they've gone to Canada and so on now all of that like is some form of awesome like I think all of it's a little fascinating and he's fascinating um he was uh uh now what's not fascinating or what's a little bit scary is he has officially announced that he'll be running for governor of California against Gavin Newsom. So this is where I feel hopeless. Rowett. I mean, I'm a fan of him. I think he's great. I think he's in Kingpin. He is absolutely hilarious with Bill Murray. That's like one of his best. He was even in the last picture show. That was his first, I think, thing was he was in the last picture show with the co-star of mine, Timothy Bottoms. And so... My hopelessness is that Randy Quaid, who just did all of this, he's like kind of an insane human, is going to run for governor of California after he's committed lots of crimes in California. And the opponent, his opponent, the only one I know of is Caitlyn Jenner. Yep. So, so give me hope because if you're going to have a recall and like have a runoff and stuff, like if all you got is Randy Quaid and Caitlyn Jenner like oh yeah 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 Aaron here's I have hope for you because it is an utter freak show right now that it, and so I think that means people like you and me we might be able to sign up and run for governor um yeah and if we could even maybe run as a as a, as a duo we could yes. podcast from the governor's mansion um yes. and but here's the thing we actually had a pretty successful bipartisan governor and the governator here in California before my time and, and before mm -hmm. I moved to California. Um, and, you know, he's a guy that has, you know, come out really, you know, I think pretty socially liberal. He's come out like, you know, he's an immigrant. He's done great things. And like he's a I Republican who was super anti-Trump. Oh, hated him. And then he went independent after that. 
Oh, yeah. Now he's a no party person. Yeah, he's a no party person, but he's a guy that was able to get people from both sides and just really be a reasonable dude. And he's very self-made. Maybe, maybe California is a testing grounds for weird ass governors um, that maybe we're going to get somebody else interesting that's going to throw their hat in the ring. Um, Who knows? Christian Bale, um, Woody Harrelson, um, Martha Stewart. Who knows? So I'm actually excited. What about Tupac? What if he comes back from the dead to be governor? I would vote for his corpse over either of these two right now. Or his hologram. Yeah. Um, So I think the good thing is, is the circus tents, the the flaps of the tent have been opened. And now we are entering this utter insanity for this race for governor. And it's going to be entertaining. And it's going to be hilarious. Because if Randy Quaid and Caitlyn Jenner are the two people running... Anybody can win this and anybody else can join. And I think it's going to be really fun and really exciting to follow and utterly hilarious and great content for this podcast. Yes. Okay, good. I feel all hope gong that because I feel hope and it will be so entertaining because Randy Quaid is entertaining. He's an entertaining human. He's just insane. He's absolutely (laughs) insane. Like, but he is super entertaining. One of the reasons he's running, too, is because he feels that the state of California is unfair and the city of Santa Barbara has been unfair to him for his trespassing and for the bills that he ran up that he ran away from. I know. Poor Randy. For a guy who's made millions and millions of dollars in the film industry, but just bailed on a $10,000 motel bill. <laughs> How do you even run up a $10,000 motel bill? It's mind-blowing. Um, so, that's amazing. That's It's perfectly earned oh. gone. Speaking of Randy Quaid, it is, un, it is unfortunately now time for us to wrap up the show. And uh, it's been a wonderful show. It's been great to be here with you, Rohit. The question that we got the submission question and uh the the music reference i'll use for submission is uh the what's the now i'm forgetting the song the uh song by uh is it r kelly uh, uh the remix to yeah that trans- one no remix to re- re- transmission no remission. submission Okay, we ignition, screwed that ignition, up. Ignition. ignition. This is my ignition. Yeah. So this is my submission. From <laughs> Danish. From Danish. We did that really well. From Danish, who uh, he didn't, I don't actually know where he's from, but he said, how can I help grow your podcast? Which is a very nice question. So thank you, Danish, for that question. And the answer, I believe, for how you can help grow our podcast is spread the word, tweet about it, tell your friends about yes. it, tell people. To Share it on Instagram it. stories. Record, record your favorite clips on your screen record and post, and post them. Please. Yep. Tell people about it. It's easy to send. Yeah, just link it. Send it. Send it to your mat. Use a week of your life. And instead of doing anything you're supposed to do, just tell people about it and then go to the corner of the street and hold up a sign that says, listen to Aaron and Rohit's Hopeless Show. Okay, cool. Thank you so much, listeners. Yes. And and maybe, who knows, maybe we get some listeners to join the show eventually and then they share it and blah, blah, blah. It can be fun. Um, And I think we'll close the show with uh, a song, lyrics from the song uh, by the Veggie Tales. This is called the Dinner Time Song. We thank the Lord for what we're about to eat. Dinner time is a really good time together. Thankfully, if you both, (laughs) if you like both savory and sweet, you just can't mess with a partial list of all our favorite treats. I like peanut butter pizzas topped with tons of anchovies and uh, lots and lots of tater tots. With a big purple slushy, cheeseburgers and chocolate and lots of melted cheese, but hold the tomatoes and the cucumbers, please. Those lyrics move me. Um, um, I feel so moved right now. I'm in tears. Yes. Uh, that, and so everyone should listen to that song. That's for sure. Uh, and that's because Hope Fulfilled, 
And what is fulfilling about uh, about what's coming up is Rohit and I are actually part of uh, a going to a dinner party and at a restaurant indoors. And that is some hope fulfilled for me. I mean, we're both vaccinated and for you, I think, because like yep. that's something that just seemed so out of the question, like never going to happen a matter of a couple months ago. And uh, to be able to do that feels like hope fulfilled. And I hope everyone in whatever capacity you feel comfortable are enjoying some of these vaccinated newfound freedoms that, yes. that we are having. We get to break bread again. And we I'm do. so, so stoked for that. Um, and on that note, Aaron, I will see you at the dinner party. Yes. And thank you for engaging in spirited debates. This is really important. Everybody listening. Aaron and I are extremely close friends. Yes. We can have these frank discussions. We get heated, but we love each other. And we may not see eye to eye on everything. We see eye to eye on a lot of things. Um, but this is uh, this is really important for us to be able to get you know, hope out of the things that are making us hopeless. So thank you for listening. Thank you for playing along. And let us know what you think. In the meanwhile, you can follow me, Vohit for Rohit, with the number four on all social handles. And... I'm the Aaron Wolf on all social media and also we're the hopeless show. So you can find that on all social medias and please do submit any thoughts you had on our debates because we can't wait to hear them to see who uh, you agree with. Exactly. And big shout outs to our special guest today. Thank you, Zach Carruthers. That was awesome. All right. Later. Portugal the man. Later. When the world seems gold and bleak and you just can't take it anymore. Here it comes, that glimmer of hope. A light shines through the dark. It's a hopeless show.